Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Welcome to Hillside this morning. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether here in our parking lot or you're joining us online. We spared no expense with this morning's worship experience. Look at all these special effects, all this little white stuff falling from the sky. Uh, we're super excited that you're here. If you're here for an in-person service, uh, just a couple guidelines. We have restrooms available for you in our building. The entrance is over here to my left. Please social distance when indoors and masks must be worn in the building. Uh, for our online audience, we're super excited to have you with us this morning. We were able to do live. This is my second time preaching the message this weekend because we did an all-digital version just in case we got worse storm than what we did get. Uh, but we would love to connect with you and our online audience. You can talk to us in the chat. Uh, you can also go to our webpage, hillsideassembly.org, and connect with us there. Uh, we also have the opportunity to give this morning. For those in our parking lot, when you leave the service today, you can give in our white containers. And for those online, you can give at hillsideassembly.org. I'm super excited for today's service, but I'm also excited for next week. Does anybody know what next week is? Valentine's Day, that is incorrect. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't know, don't know what February 7th is? That's okay, because I've got a great friend named Jeb, and he's got a friend with him this morning. He's going to share with us really quickly about next Sunday's worship experience. It's Jive Time with Jeb! Well, hi, this is Jeb. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with my good friend, Adrian Granados, and uh, we're very excited about something coming up here this weekend. Uh, Adrian, do you know what is special about Sunday, February 7th? Yeah, it's going to be the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday! That is right, and you know what? If we're going to have a Super Bowl Sunday, I think it needs to start with a supersized worship experience right here at Hillside. And so we've got some special guests lined up. Adrian, why don't you tell them about who our special guests are this Sunday? Yeah, we're going to have our missionaries from Ripon College, Luke Hatfield and Manny Kimes, join us. Woo! That's right. I love both of those guys. They are awesome missionaries and ministry partners sharing Jesus with all sorts of people. So they're going to be here. We've got some other special guests that will make an appearance. I'm going to be there for Super Bowl Sunday worship experience. Adrian, are you going to be there? I will definitely be there. Woo, we got some things to celebrate. So be there Sunday. At what time? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. We'll see you then. Bye. Open up in prayer this morning as we lift up the name of Jesus and we gather together here today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come to worship you, to hear your word, to uh, gather together. And Lord, we just thank you as we also prepare to celebrate communion today, Lord, that we can celebrate the forgiveness that God offers us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And uh, may we also learn to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. Lord, bless now our time together, the worship time, the preaching of the word as pastor comes. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.
We'd like to do a new song this morning, and it was uh, inspired by Pastor's preaching message, uh, Just Like Jesus, as Pastor's been going through the Gospel of Mark, and this song is called Walking by Faith with Jesus, and it's about how, as followers of Christ, we learn to follow Him, to walk with Him, to walk by faith and not by sight. So sing with us, walking by faith with Jesus. Walking by faith with Jesus, learning to be more like Him. Down by the Jordan River and into Jerusalem. On the Sea of Galilee, in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a journey to be on, wherever He will lead. Twelve were called to follow Him and leave it all behind. The same is true for me and you, a different place, a different time. Though the world has changed, a lot has not, the message is still the same. Love God and our neighbor, seek the lost in Jesus' name. Walking by faith with Jesus, learning to be more like Him. Down by the Jordan River and into Jerusalem. On the Sea of Galilee, in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a journey to be on, wherever He will lead. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son to give eternal life to all who would trust in the One who died upon the cross and rose up from the dead. We serve a risen Savior. He will do just what He says. Walking by faith with Jesus, learning to be more like Him. Down by the Jordan River and into Jerusalem. On the Sea of Galilee, in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a journey to be on, wherever He will lead. What a journey, what a journey to be on, wherever He will lead. Last time, what a journey to be on, wherever He will lead. Well, hey, we're really excited to bring God's Word to you this morning. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, we thank you for once again having the opportunity to present the gospel, Lord, to this community. And Lord, to so many who are watching online right now, later today, 
Lord, we just believe that you work all things out for your good. Whether it's this service they're watching or the one that we posted yesterday, God, I believe that the right person at the right time is going to hear the message they need to hear today. And God, I just pray for our hearts, that we opened our hearts and minds to receive from you today, Lord, your word, because your word changes and transforms our lives. Lord, I pray that the words I speak are not mine, but God, your words directed to your people in a way that they can understand and, and take and develop inside their minds and hearts. Lord, Holy Spirit, please work today through the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, uh, we're in our series called Just Like Jesus. We're back in the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8. And the title of today's message is this, Don't Miss the Point. Sometimes it's really easy for us to miss the point that God is trying to make. We get distracted. And, and maybe this week, maybe even this morning, you've been distracted by things. You've been torn away from from what God would want you to prioritize in your life to things that are frustrating you or things that are, are, are just, just making an annoyance for you and it seems to be just welling up inside of you this frustration and you're missing the point of what Jesus wants to do. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus doesn't want you to miss the point. We're going to start in Mark chapter 8. When you first start looking at this chapter, it feels a little bit like a rerun. It feels very familiar, like we've seen this before and We'll explain that as we go along. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come such a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, he replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. And after he had sent them away, he got into the boat with the disciples and went to the region of Delmanutha. I, I just realized something in this passage of scripture that I had not realized before. And I love the disciples' question, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? I want you to know today that there are people in our community that have that same mindset. They go, where in the world can I find something to satisfy me in the certain situation that I'm in? I want you to know there's a place right here that you can find something to satisfy your soul. It's not me or it's not any of the people that are here, but it's Jesus Christ because we preach Jesus at Hillside. Now, people often get this miracle confused that we just read about. They get it confused with the feeding of the 5,000 which is recorded in all four of the Gospels. But this miracle is only recorded in Matthew and Mark. And it's not difficult to really distinguish between the two miracles of the feeding of multitudes. Let me explain. The first miracle took place in Galilee near Bethsaida and involved primarily Jewish people. This miracle took place near the Decapolis and involved mostly Gentiles. In the first miracle, Jesus started with five loaves and two fish, while here he has seven loaves and a few fish. The 5,000 had been with him for just one day, but the 4,000 had been with him for three days. 
12 baskets of fragments were left over from the 5,000, but only seven baskets were left from the 4,000 when they were fed. And once again, uh, we see we're encouraged by the Lord, his great compassion for people, and his complete control over situations and circumstances. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus is in control and not me this morning. So once again, we've got, we've got Jesus telling, talking to his disciples and saying, look, this is how you deal with the problem. And we all have problems in our life. And so he's giving them this lesson once again. It's not about looking at what you don't have, but it's about doing an inventory on what you do have. It's about us being thankful for what we do have today. And in a season in our life, in all of our lives, where we're limited in what we can do, we should be thankful for what we do have and what God has allowed us to do and what he's calling us to do in the future. And it's, it's this, this small thing. It's, it's this thing that seems so insignificant. Because when they do an inventory, they find they just have a little. And what looks like a little to us, what looks insignificant to us, some bread and some fish, we would say is not nearly enough to meet the need, yet in the hands of our Savior, it's more than enough, and in fact, there's leftovers left over. Can I tell you, when God does something, he does it well. He does it excellent. And as his people, we should take that model as well. There's more than enough when God is at the head of the table. And he uses the disciples here to distribute the blessing. And and that's another lesson for us to look at. It's the call of our lives to take what God is doing. We we have what we have. We take an inventory. We give it back to God. God blesses it. And then we're, we're to go and distribute it. We're not to hold on to it. There's a progression here that's also seen. The first feeding of the multitudes was primarily for Jewish people. Now this miracle is primarily for Gentiles. Now Gentiles were anybody who wasn't Jewish. Jesus is trying to show this progression of our personal growth and relationship with him. That it needs to expand. It needs to grow. It needs to move beyond the boundaries that it's currently at. You need a progression in your miracle. Jesus is illustrating for us the importance that he wants to expand his kingdom. We've been talking about this for several weeks. He wants to expand his his kingdom to every person. It's not ours to hold on to. The good news of the gospel, what Jesus wants to do, what he has done and what he will do, isn't for us to hold on and to hoard. It's for us to go and take and deliver. The gospel is for every person, no matter your color, your race, your nationality, your social or economic background, no matter your past and no matter your present. God wants to touch your life with his word. And he wants to change your life with a relationship with him. The miracle of Jesus' salvation starts with grace for you. You've got to experience it. And many of you here this morning have experienced that salvation of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, that's the start of the miracle in your life, not the end. That's just the beginning. You've not experienced the fullness of Christ until you've given that gift away to others. See, first Jesus does something in you, but then he wants to do something through you. If you're you're still stuck where you're the center of your own story, then your spiritual growth stops. I like to go fishing on occasion, and I've found 
that you really don't want to fish in stagnant water. It's gross. It's nasty. The, the water's not moving. Algae and junk take over. There's a smell. Just, it becomes putrid. It actually becomes toxic in some cases. And I want you to know, when you don't spread, when you don't let go of the things that God's doing in your life and, and take it to the places where God's calling you to take it, I'm going to tell you, you become stagnant and eventually you can become a toxic disciple. And we don't want that. We don't want toxic disciples. We want to have a flow of God in our lives to keep the water flowing each and every day. I want that for you so much. So let's take a look at the next part of scriptures because this is where we start looking at toxic discipleship. And we're going to pick back up in verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply. He sighed deeply. He's frustrated. Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. Here's a second point I want to make this morning. Don't miss your miracle. Don't miss the miracle God has for you. Jesus just did a supersized miracle in this passage. He fed 4,000 people. He fed them physically and he fed them spiritually. He hung out with these people for three days. This was awesome. It was amazing. It was incredible. Can I say it was even miraculous? But this group of highly educated religious scholars who have spent their entire lives dedicated to understanding God's word could not see it. They couldn't see the miracle. Their reaction when communicating with Jesus right after this took place they weren't celebrating. They weren't even discussing this miracle that took place among themselves. And they were blind. They were blind. They were blind to what Jesus had done. They were blind to what Jesus was doing. And they were blind to what Jesus wanted to do. Why didn't they care about this miracle that Jesus just did? Well, that answer is very simple. The miracle that Jesus did didn't revolve around them. They weren't the center of the story. And to be very blunt and honest, they didn't care about these people. Jesus did. He was moved with great compassion for these people. His heart was, was, was over, overflowing with concern for these individuals. He wanted to bless them to move into their lives. But to this religious group, these people were unworthy of anything that God had for them. They didn't even look at them as real people. They didn't care. Are you missing the miracle God is doing because you're not at the center of the story? You're not at the center of what Jesus might be doing in this very moment, so you're missing the miracle. Have you become blind like these Pharisees? Do you only care about Jesus doing the things that are important to you? Look, you've got to take a moment and take inventory of this because we can blow right by it. We can say, well, that was another point. We can all go home at the end of the day and say, well, pastor was out in the snow and brought the word of God and not apply this. But God's word is meant to be applied. And there is a question that Jesus is asking this morning of each and every one of us, including me. Do you only care 
about the things that I'm doing when you're in the middle of it. That's something that each one of us should pray about this week. And if we find that that's the case, we need to do some heart work. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to convict us because we're missing greater miracles in and through our lives and the miracles that God wants to do in the people around us that we live with in our community. I don't want to be like the Pharisees and miss the miracle God has for us. And I believe deep down you feel the same way. Do you only care when you're the center of the story? And if that's the case, let's do some heart work. The Pharisees were asking for a sign, a miracle. But here's the thing. They were asking for a miracle when there wasn't even a need. There was no one here that was sick. There was no one that was hurt or paralyzed. There was no one who was hungry. They just wanted to be entertained. They wanted Jesus to perform for them. How heartbreaking is that? People who studied the word of God their entire life. And they just wanted Jesus to be at their beck and call and perform for them. And I wonder sometimes, do we just step into that? Do we just, do we just the natural gravitation of our, our sinfulness and flesh, do we just kind of go there? And do we treat Jesus like that? Because shame on us when we do. Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He sits on a throne and it is us who is to serve him. He is the king. And while he moves with benevolence, he's moved with, with great compassion for you and I. And he wants to move in our lives and to do things in our lives. Do we take the, the attitude of these Pharisees? Dance for us, Jesus. Show us a sign, Jesus. Or do we take it just so half-heartedly? Do we treat our relationship with Jesus that way sometimes? Again, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to convict us if that's the case. Because our relationship with Jesus should be much better than that. I don't want you to miss your miracle. And I will tell you this. Greatest, the greatest miracles happen when you step into what's important to Jesus. Not what's important to us. It's not when we go to Jesus and go, Lord, this is important for us, so do this. Those are, that, we should do that. We should go to God with the things that, that, that are, are troubling us, that weigh on us, where we want to see God move. But a greater compassion, a greater emphasis, a greater, a greater involvement should be on, Jesus, what are you wanting to do? Because that's what I want to pray for. I want to get on board with what you want to do. Because that's the place where the greatest miracles happen. And watch what happens in this next passage of Scripture with point three, being oblivious and confused. Can I just tell you, I think sometimes Jesus was frustrated. I think he was. I think sometimes he just wanted to tell the guys that were working with him to just go, guys, pull your stuff together. Come on. Come on, we can do this. And I think this is one of the points where we see Jesus a little frustrated because the people that he's training for ministry just seem to be oblivious and confused and not getting it. Let's pick up in verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. First of all, this is incredible because this is all happening sequentially. 
They just did this amazing miracle with, Jesus just did this amazing miracle with bread. The disciples were in charge of handing it out and picking up the leftovers. And then we look here and just a few verses later, it's like the disciples forgot to bring bread. Where are the leftovers, man? They, they, they just like, they, it's like they're just oblivious already. They're like, they forgot the bread for the trip. The disciples have forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf. They got one loaf of bread. Hopefully it's from Jimmy John's, because that's really good bread. They had it with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He's taking this moment to take these guys that in a few years are going to be the guys that are going to take the church and, and, and launch it. And he's taking this moment to go, look, guys, don't have a heart like these guys. Don't take all your time studying the word of God and not applying it to your life. That's in the point. Don't miss a relationship with me. It's important to the Father. He's, he's taking this moment to teach with them. But look at the disciples' response. Verse 16. They discussed this with one another, which is a good thing to do. And this is the conclusion they came up with. It's because we have no bread. It's because we have no bread. They're stuck on the loaf of bread in their hand and missing out on the bigger thing. Verse 17, aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them. And you can see Jesus is a little frustrated. He's a little brokenhearted here. Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Don't you remember what I've done? Church, this morning, Jesus is saying that. Don't you remember what I've done for you? Verse 19. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And then I, I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, and how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Jesus must have been incredibly frustrated. He's trying to teach his disciples a valuable lesson. Don't, don't be like these Pharisees. And the disciples, after discussing this, come to this conclusion, it's about this loaf of bread. The disciples lacked the vision Jesus was trying to show them. The disciples' minds were stuck on the physical bread in their possession. They're stuck with what's right here physically in front of them, unable to see what God is trying to do spiritually. They were stuck. They were stuck on the physical bread when the bread of life was in the boat with them. When the one who has the power and the provision to be able to meet any need is right there, they're stuck on, we've only got one loaf of bread and somebody's not eating lunch. They were stuck at looking at what was instead of looking at what's possible. They were stuck in the moment when Jesus was trying to cast vision for the future. Jesus is the resource. He's an empowerer by nature. When someone was stuck on a mat in the New Testament, when they were, when they were crippled, when Jesus would walk by them, he took the time to, let, to put a hand out and to command them to stand and to get up. I want you to know this morning, if you're on a mat, if you're at that place where you feel like you've fallen, you've, you've messed up this week, Jesus is calling you to stand to your feet and get up because the grace of God is applied to you. When faced with impossibilities, Jesus always makes a way. He always makes a way. 
When you've got one loaf of bread, I guarantee you, Jesus has got enough to feed a dozen disciples. With whatever physical thing that you have, you feel that you lack this morning, I want you to know, God can take it, multiply it in your hands, and it's going to be more than enough to do what God wants to do. As we come to a conclusion today, I want to draw back to the beginning portion of the scripture. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He reached out to the Jewish people first. And he showed now the Gentiles the same miracles, the same message, and the same salvation. All these people are in this together. We're all the same at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners in need of salvation. That was the mission. The mission was to take the message, the good news of the gospel, to every person on the planet. Not only did the disciples not get it here in the boat, but they failed to get it for 10 more years. In Acts chapter 2, after Jesus has died, rose from the grave and commanded them to go to a place and wait on the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we see them filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered to be the church, empowered to do what God called them to do, to reach the world. But they were clueless still for 10 more years. Check, check. Hey, you can't stop God's word. My voice may be, may be cracking. The mic might go out, but that's okay because the devil's got to take a back seat because what God wants to say is way more important. The disciples took 10 more years after being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not till Acts chapter 10 and, ta- and chapter 11 that the church begins to expand beyond the Jewish culture. Church, I want to tell you this morning, I don't want to wait 10 more years for us to get what Jesus is trying to tell us. We've got to take the gospel message to our community. We've got to be the ones to carry the message to our workplace, to our campus, and to our neighborhoods. That is what Jesus is calling us to do. He says it week in, week out. It's in the scripture every single moment. God is calling us to move in amazing ways and to move with creativity into our communities. I'm not waiting 10 more years. I don't think you want to wait 10 more years either. It's time for us to get into the flow of what God wants to do. See, you've not experienced the fullness of what God has for you until you give Jesus away. Next week, we're going to pick up on this in a little different way in form and fashion. It's going to be an amazing service. I hope you come back or tune in for it. Hopefully, I'll have a voice by then. But I want to share with you one last thing. I know that there are those of you praying for miracles today. And I want to tell you this. When the church began in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 to take the gospel message beyond the Jewish culture, when they prioritized the mission of Jesus that we see throughout the gospels to reach all people, no matter their culture, no matter their race, no matter their background, no matter their occupation. When you step out and you make that a priority, I'm telling you that's the place where greater miracles happen. Because when the church did it in Acts chapter 10 and 11, they saw greater miracles. They saw a greater resource, and they saw a greater move of God.
I'm telling you right now that we are beginning to see greater miracles than I've ever seen in my ministry career. Seeing more resource than I've ever seen in my ministry career. I've never seen a point where I preach the word of God, where God puts the word in me, and moments or days later, all of a sudden what I preach will come to fruition. It's a crazy thing, but it's a season where God is moving. I don't intend to miss it, and I don't want you to miss it. But the only way where we don't miss it, and the only way we stay in the flow, is we allow the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts and our minds. The mission is reaching people with the gospel. This is not a cruise ship. Hillside Assembly is not called to be a cruise ship. I'm not called to itinerate and make your social calendar for you. This is a battleship, a spiritual battleship, and we are called to a mission to take the gospel message. And on Sundays, I bring the word of God because I prayed all week, and that's what I, my desire, my deepest passion inside is to bring a word of God to inspire you for the week so that you can go out, grab a hold of your Bible, get it open, read God's word, and have your life changed, and then impact the lives around you. I'm ready to go the distance. Are you ready to go the distance with me, church? Let's reach our communities for Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. The first thing I want to do is if you're watching, you're like, man, this guy is a lunatic. Uh, he's out in the snow preaching on a Sunday morning talking about Jesus. There must be something to this. I want to pray for you this morning that you can have a relationship with Jesus. God wants to change and transform your life. And the only difference between me and you is Jesus. That's it. That's it. Because I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. As much today as I was, probably even more so than years ago, because I'm much more aware of the mess that my life is. God wants to change and transform your life today. And I want to pray for you for an opportunity to start a relationship with him. Let's do that right now. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. God, I need you to rescue my life. I've messed up. I got all sorts of issues going on. But God, your passion is so great for people. You fed these, these 4,000 people with just a small, small loaf of bread and, and, and some fish. And God, if you can do that, then Lord, I believe you can change and transform my life. So I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. Lord, would you come into my life and save my life and change my life and help me to start following you. Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is the bread of life, church. He's the bread of life. Don't get, don't get caught up with a loaf of bread in your hand when the bread of life is right in front of you. Don't get stuck up on the things that you feel like, like are hung up on the things that you feel like, like are so important that you can't let go of, that your vision is so tightly on them, you're missing what Jesus is wanting to do. And I want to pray for you this morning that we would have a heart like Jesus. We saw two groups of people. We saw the toxic heart of the Pharisees, and we saw the confused and, 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 and just the, the, the disciples who had no idea what was going on. They were oblivious. I don't want to be either one of those, and I don't want you to be either one of those. I want you to have hearts that are tender to the voice of God. I want you to have hearts that are open to the Holy Spirit's conviction 
Last week we talked about this. I made the comment that God will bring correction. He'll bring rebuke. But when he does, he always brings hope. Jesus may have been frustrated here, but I want you to know he didn't quit the ministry. He didn't jump off the boat. He probably really wanted to tell his disciples, just get your stuff together, boys. Come on. Come on. We've been doing this for a while now. Put your stuff together and let's get the mission done. Let's work together and let's build the church. This morning, I want to pray for us to have a heart that builds God's church. Not my church, not your church, but his church. Lord, we pray this morning, God, to have the right heart. We pray this morning, God, for the Holy Spirit to convict us like never before. Lord, when it comes to the, the area of reaching the lost, it's, a, it's an area that challenges us. It's an area of neglect in a lot of churches. It's something we talk about, but it's something that often we don't act on. But God, that's got to change. That's got to change because that's what you're calling us to do. And God, as we do that, I know that greater miracles lie ahead. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen the healings take place over the last few weeks as we've stepped out and we've said we're going to continue to do our best to reach those who need the gospel message. I've seen resources for our church like never before. It's because of you. God, we don't want to stop. We don't want to stall. We don't want to become stagnant. Not when we're on the verge of seeing our community changed and transformed by the gospel. God, embolden us as your disciples. Let us not be foolish, but let us be faithful. God, to carry your gospel message to every place we go in acts of service, but Lord, also to be able to communicate what you've done in our life. Everyone has a story to share. God, help us. Help us to become the church, to build the church you're calling us to be. Because God, there are people who need to be rescued. There are people who are desperate right here in our communities who need you. And God, we need to go. Give us creativity like never before, vision like never before, dreams, God, of what this campus could become and how we can better distribute the gospel to our community. I know people are starting to have unified dreams in our church, and it's incredible what's happening. Lord, we're stepping into something brand new. And God, the greatest days are ahead of us as a church. No matter what the news says, no matter what our culture says, no matter what else we have to face besides a pandemic or whatever comes next, the greatest days for your church still lie ahead because the mission is not done. And God, until every breath is gone, until you call us home, Hillside Assembly will be on mission, on task. Work with us, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our lives. And God, as we prioritize what's important to you, God, I believe the miracles that people need this morning, that God, those things will happen. Miracles in body, miracles in finance, miracles in mind, miracles in spirit. God, I believe people will be set free, healed, changed, and transformed as we continue to prioritize the mission of the gospel. God, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Woo, man, for being cold as it is, I'm telling you, I feel pretty fired up for Jesus this morning. Is there anybody else who's fired up for Jesus? Hey, we're going we're gonna to switch over to a worship song, then Adrian Granados is going to come and lead us in communion. Are you excited about taking communion? Come on, because you know what? The bread of life is here. Jesus is here this morning. As we take communion, I want to encourage you, do the heart work this morning. As we go into this worship song, let Jesus convict you. And if there are things not right in your heart, if you've said something this morning or this week to your spouse, maybe they're in the car with you, maybe they're at home with you, it's time to make things right as before we go into communion. And if, you, if you're at home, we want you to take communion with us. This is a great time. Go grab some type of beverage and some type of starch, bread from, from your kitchen. Bring it back. We're going to take communion together in just a few moments. But Mike, would you lead us again in worship? Let's sing the hymn, Rock of Ages. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Many of you know this song. Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which in the double cure save from wrath and make me pure could my tears for ever flow could my zeal no languor know sin could not atone you must save and you alone in my hand no price I bring simply to thy cross I cling while I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown and behold thee on thy throne. Rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Rock of ages, rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Rock of ages, rock of ages, clap for me, let me hide.
We are now going to be getting ready for communion. So if you have your elements, go ahead and get them out. I personally have a wafer and some juice with me up here. Um, if you're at home, you may have something different. You might have a donut and chocolate milk or, you know, something to be chewing on and, and something to wash it down. But in the end, it's not really about what we're taking because we're missing the whole point if we do that, just like the disciples. Uh, they thought it was about the bread, and we don't want to be caught up thinking it's about the wafer and the juice today. Um, because it's not about that. What it's about is what it represents and the symbolism behind that. Uh, so here at Hillside, we do communion once a month, typically. Some churches might do it once a week. But the point is that on a regular basis, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. Because God created us to be with him, to be like him, but every single one of us sins, no matter who we are. If you did one bad thing in your entire life, God can't be with you anymore because he's so perfect and holy. It's not in his nature. So that's why communion is so important. I think sometimes it's easy to forget exactly what it means, and that's that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can, at the end of our life, go be with him in heaven. And so before Jesus died, he was with all his disciples and he wanted him, he wanted all of them to kind of get a clue of what was happening. And so this is from Luke chapter 22, it's verses 19 and 20. First, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you could take your wafer or your bread or whatever you have as your first element and go ahead and hold that. We're gonna pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the element of bread. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of our sins. Thank you for the immense beating and all the physical pain and torture you did just for us. You didn't have to, but you loved us so much that you chose to. Let's take it. And in verse 20, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So go ahead and take your juice or your liquid in your hand. And as we hold this, we remember that because of what Jesus did, he washed away all of our sins. And that before God, we can come perfect and we can actually enter his presence. So let's pray for that. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your blood that covers all of our sins. Thank you that because of that, we can have communion with you, that we can be with you now and forever. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the juice. So we're going to head over back to Mike, and he's going to lead us in some worship to end today. I'm reminded of uh, Psalm 103, just a verse of that that says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's what Jesus did at the cross.
There's a place. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless where my heart has peace with god and forgiveness where all the love i've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down at the cross at the cross i surrender my life i'm in all of you i'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin washed white i owe all to you i owe all to you hear my hope here my hope is found here on holy ground here i bow down here i bow down here arms open
celebrate one more time the love of Jesus Christ shown to us through his death upon the cross. Could you beep your horn if you're thankful to God today? Hallelujah. We're going to sing, Look What the Lord Has Done. Kathy's going to lead us in this rousing rendition of Look What the Lord Has Done. Look what, look what the Done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm gonna praise his name. Each day he's just the same. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord. Look what the Done. Look what the Lord has done. What's he done? He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day he's just the same. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. My body, he touched my mind, he saved me just in time. Oh, I'm gonna praise his name each day, he's just the same. Come on and praise him, look what the Lord has done. Come on and praise him, come on and praise him, look what the Lord has done. One more time. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. <laughs> 